Hey, miserable bitches! We are back with another episode of Misery Manor. My name is Cody. My name is Emily. And make sure you leave your manners at the front door, not the back door or the side door. Thank you. Come again. Hello, hello, hello. Guess what? I did my homework. What is that? Oh, I really didn't finish, so. It's a late assignment. Which is what? My episode. Oh, yeah, this isn't her episode. (laughs) Her episode might be featured later this week or next week. One of the two. Yeah, Cody has to start proofreading mine. (laughs) I gotta give it some of the (laughs) razzle-dazzle flair, honey. Because Emily's stories are great. They're just very... Autobi- or not auto, they're just very um, 2020, and I like to put, <laughs> I like to put a little razzle dazzle flair up in it, you know. Um, but yeah, so this episode is not Emily's, but stay tuned because it's coming soon. But before we My get started, life before soon. before we get started on this episode, um, I don't know if you all saw, but our merch is still alive and well. And if you use the code Happy Pride, so that's capital H A P P Y, lowercase, and then capital P. So the H and the P are capitalized Happy Pride. Put that when you check out and you get 15% off. I also am going to be emailing the Patreons because if you are a Patreon, we'll give you um, a discount code and you can have 15% off forever. Yeah, off of anything. Off of anything. And it doesn't just end after Pride Month of June. It'll just continue on. So we'll be emailing you that code. Don't be giving it to nobody else. Oh, shit. Yeah. Right. Or we will hunt you down. And you will be an episode. <laughs> Not really. Not mine. <laughs> Not really. But um, yeah, please head on over to the merch store. We have some really cool ones coming out soon. Oh, yeah. Um, new designs. New designs. I think I should be getting them next week or so. So stay tuned for that. Can we but... plug your friend that does our... Yeah, her name is Taylor Texas. Let me... I think it's Taylor underscore Texas. Oh yeah, it's Taylor underscore Texas. She does a so she's actually one of the main digital artists for Waterburger. Um, funny enough, which she, a lot of people don't know what Waterburger is. It's a Texas thing. Oh, that's true. It's a Texas yeah. like uh, fast food restaurant. But she works at the corporate office in San Antonio, and she loves Waterburger so much that she actually got married at a Waterburger. Did I never tell you that? No. She got married. I'll show you. Her dress was orange. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. It is hilarious. But she loves Waterburger, and she works there, and she does all their digital, like their commercials, their digital prints, all kinds of cool stuff. So, And she has a side business, too. So if yeah. you ever need anything, go to her, Taylor underscore Texas. But she does she- really, like sweet like her stuff's very sweet looking yeah. so like the fact that she was able to create this for us was i think pretty exciting for her too because it was something completely different, different for exactly. her yeah it's awesome so yeah go give her a follow and see what she's got but yes please um continue to look at our merch if you want to be a patreon we posted we have like three or four exclusive patreon episodes out mm-hmm. we're going to be doing another one this week um you can pay five dollars a month 
and you get access to all of them and 15% off all merch. So it's kind of a win-win-win to me if you ask me, but you didn't. So I'm not going to give you my opinion, but I really think you should. And I just gave you my opinion. Okay. I think it's about time we stop. And drop and roll. So, um, yeah, I've talked long enough and I'm going to get started. So I've been on a roll here recently with like, just coming to America and then taking us out, and I'm gonna take us out of America. Where are we again. going, baby? Where are we this going? This time we are going to Germany. Ooh, I took German and I almost studied abroad in German. Yeah, Me. I actually <laughs> love German culture. I think it's so. So do I. They have something called a kitchen witch, and mm-hmm. I think it's the greatest thing in the world. No, a kitchen witch, like mm-hmm. so, like it's a, like a little witch, and you keep it in your kitchen. It basically like protects it. Yeah, and like keeps bad food out. Oh. Like, it makes your recipes great. But it's kind of funny because German food is not that great. I know. I mean, we all love a sausage here. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Or a brat is what they have over there. Yeah, bratwurst. Um, Okay, so yeah. So we're going to Germany for this case. And this one's called The Vampire of Dusseldorf. And now this is about the crimes of this guy named Peter Curtin. And let me tell you... He's disgusting. He is so ugly. I think this is one of my... I can't say favorite because it's absolutely horrible, but I had the most fun researching this one because I was like, what the fuck is going on? This is insane. I would read something and be like, there's no fucking way that this is this happened. This is shocking because Cody does not like old stuff. He's more like contemporary. Right. Like if something's past like 1990, he's just like, mm, no. Well, which is funny because Peter was born in 1883. So I'm just going to get into it. Okay. Okay. So like I said, this is the case of the vampire of Dusseldorf. So Peter Curtin was born in to a poverty-stricken family, abusive family, in Molheim, Molheim, Iran, not Iran. <laughs> That's not what it sounds like. Iran, Germany. So in Germany, somewhere. On May 26, 1883. He was the first born out of 12 siblings. Ew. And his mother came from a very wealthy family, but later would end up leaving her family high and dry. Now, that sounds horrible. She has 13 kids and she just up and leaves. But part of me does not blame her, and here's why. Wait, so she was wealthy, came from a wealthy, wealthy family. family. And then but she, then when she got married, they lived in poverty? poverty. No wonder she yes. left. Well, poverty because of the 13 children. Uh, well, maybe they should have thought. I th- should have thought. She was thought and bopping in Germany. So, okay, so Peter described his parents' relationship as very volatile. He said, quote, If they had not been married, one would have think that one would think that their relationship was rape. Oh! <gasps> yeah. So it implies that a lot of abuse in their relationship. In fact, Peter's father would assemble all of the children in one room and make his wife strip naked and perform sexual acts on him as the children were forced to watch. I'm a, that's what I was afraid you were going to say. And I'm picturing it in my head and I don't want to. But yeah, so he would bring them. All right, children, you know, come in here, watch. And he would. But they think that's normal because they don't know. Oh, yeah. They thought it was completely normal. So after she leaves the family, all of the responsibility of the family falls on the father. So he had a job as a sand molder. So he worked in this huge factory, very labor intensive job. Um, Luckily, he does make enough money to put food on the table for all of the Brady Bunch family (laughs) times, too. But any extra money that he had left over, he would spend it on alcohol, which is never good. I don't know. What is he buying? Liquor. Well, I know. What kind? You said it's Not never tr- good. Well, I'm just saying, like, he, all of his money's being spent on alcohol. It doesn't sound too good. He should probably focus it elsewhere. 
So they were not living comfortably by any means. All of the kids had to share one room. The house was taken over by clothes, dirty dishes. There were issues with it not being sanitary. The children had very, very poor hygiene. And there's also a lot of sexual frustration like brewing in this house. The children and teenagers had no privacy to explore, you know, their sexuality avenues and stuff like that. So it would begin to escalate as they got older and older. Also to mention their aunts, their uncles, all of their grand, um, grandfathers, grandmothers, they were all alcoholics as well. So especially Peter's father. So when Peter was, or when his father was drunk, he would be extremely difficult to be around. He would get drunk, scream and yell at the children, smash things against the wall, throw things across the room. Um, he was also said to be very egotistical and the majority of his frustration and anger, he would take out on Peter, which was his firstborn. So he was taking the, what is it, the brunt? Sorry, yeah. The brunt, the brunt of all of his frustration. So, so Wait, Peter's the oldest, you said? Yeah. yeah. Oldest it's son or just oldest? Oldest in general. Oh. So Peter spent a lot of his time trying to stay out of his father's way. He would hide up um, at school after hours. He would run into the woods and hide and be gone for a very long extended period of time, sometimes days, sometimes even weeks. Wow. Sometimes he would be gone um, for up to a month just to get away from his father. So Peter's neighbor, who took Peter under his wing, um, you would think, oh, okay, this is going to be sweet. Nope. No. So he had an occupation, and they called it a dog catcher. Um, but it's not like him capturing dogs and like bringing them to the pound or finding them new homes. He would capture dogs and slaughter them. <gasps> he For would, what reason? He would eat their skin and then sell their lard sell the lard out to people and like meat for okay. cheap and people would buy it because remember God. this is a very poverty people were buying cheap meat wherever they could <laughs> but he would eat their skin so like the hot dogs were dogs. yes pretty fucking much hot dogs literally were hot dogs off the street so the, <laughs> so like i'm thinking hey, what the fuck but peter was fascinated by this he was like wow this is amazing his peter his neighbor peter his neighbor told Peter, just remember, Peter, you only want to eat healthy dogs. Let me show you a technique I use to determine if they are healthy or not. Watch this. First, you're going to take this needle and prick the dog with it. If the dog reacts and bleeds, they're healthy. So he's basically saying, you know, some of the dogs off the street were very sickly. Yeah. Um, but if they didn't react or they didn't bleed quite, then they weren't healthy and they weren't worth killing. Okay, but so, that's... Also, just a stupid way to determine that. Right. So, besides poking them with needles, he would break their tails. And Peter <gasps> loved watching this. He loved seeing the pain in the dogs that they would go through. And he would even tell his neighbor, keep going, keep going. Okay, how long is this chapter? And Peter is nine at this point. Peter also loved watching the neighbor play... Okay, brace yourself. Peter also loved watching the neighbor play with the dog's genitals to make them ejaculate. Oh! <laughs> My God. So he loved that. So as he's making the dog ejaculate, he would say, Peter, are you paying attention? Watch closely. This is how you make the dogs trust you. This is how you get a dog to be attracted to you. I know what I'm doing. Just watch and take notes. What in the flying fuck, fuck. kind of neighbor is So this? at this point in Peter's life, he's starting to explore his sexuality and he was mesmerized by this. So I, like I said, he's nine. In all of Peter's free time, he would go down, down to the woods and with his neighbor and watch um, his neighbor kill these poor dogs. He would also start to hang out with some of the fellow neighborhood boys. They would get on these like giant tree logs, put them in the water, and float down the river. 
they would float around and Peter had this like intense urge one time when they were doing it. He was like, what if, no, what if I just push one of them off into the <gasps> river? And he did just that. He grabbed one of the guys by their shirt and threw them overboard into like the rough waters of this river. And like when one of the other guys on the raft saw what his friend struggling, the log. the log, he jumped off to try to save his friend. But Peter grabbed the guy by his head and held him underwater <gasps> and they both drowned. Uh, he killed them both. Okay, so he's jacking off dogs and, and killing... killing boys. So okay. Peter knew what he had done was wrong, but he claimed it just to be an accident. He said, quote, I know what I did was wrong, but it felt so good. I like the feeling it gave me. I feel very powerful. But he said that later on in life. Yes. Okay. Like his confessions. So the feeling that he had was something that he only continued to crave more and more. From that point on, he would continue um, to only get worse and worse. One day in 1987, Peter comes back to his house after being gone for a few days, and he finds out that his dad has been arrested. The only parental figure he had in his life. So he comes through the front door and his siblings are all crying. Peter's like, what's going on? Like, why are you crying? They say, dad has been arrested. He's like, what? For what? For rape. He raped our sister. Oh, shit. So he raped one but of their sisters. How did they even know what that was? Because the police were in there and telling, and telling them. them. Yeah. So when the police came and finally oh, talked to Peter, he was not even mad at his father. When the police asked Peter about his father and his sister, Peter said his sister has always been overly sexed, quote, overly sexed, which means someone that has, like, high amount of sexual appetites. What 12-year-old has high amounts of sexual um, appetites? I'm not quite sure. Not me, bitch. I was focused on which uh, Looney Tune. 12? How old were we when we were 12? When you're 12, you're third grade, I think. Nah. Is that too young? You're, like, in middle school. No, because you get your driver's... Yeah, you're right. Sixth grade. Yeah. I was, like, goth. Or trying to be. Yeah. So, he also went on to tell the police, quote, I am not surprised that this happened. My sister really wanted to have sex with me, too. I'm not mad for what my father did. Well, of course, like... The police were like, what did she do to make you think that? And Peter said, she would always hug and kiss me on my cheeks. So this goes back to lack of, like, parental care, lack of physical love, as well as having, like, no space for sexual exploration and learnings. He thought, like, these little acts that his siblings were giving him were, like, insinuating that they wanted to have sex, which he was wrong. But see, he knows a little bit more about that from his fucked up neighbor. Right. Yeah. So while Peter's dad's in prison, Peter knows um, that he's now the eldest of the group. So he starts stepping up to take care of his brothers and sisters. He starts behaving. He does better in school. He even gets himself a job as an apprentice to a molder, but eventually was tired of working and stole money from his employer and vanished to start a relationship with a sex worker he had found. Okay, he's 12. Oh, shit. He's still 12? Yes. Well, Okay. okay. Yeah, well, he no, he's probably 14 at this time because his okay. sister was 12. So he's around 14. So Stop. Peter's father's only in prison for 18 months for the rape of his own daughter. In fact, his jail sentence was so short, when Peter's father returned home, his old job was like, hey, welcome back. Would you like to continue working here? So he literally just picked up, like, right where he left off. Oh. So Peter... Peter. Peter <laughs> wanted to start making more and more money, and he thought, maybe I could do what my neighbor did. To make money. That would be kind of fun and exciting. Give dogs blood dogs. So by at this point, that particular ma- neighbor had moved on, but Peter remembered all the techniques that he had picked up while observing his neighbor for so long. 
so he decided to carry out his neighbor's old job. But at first, he was doing this to birds and squirrels. He started selling them to make some quick money. One time he was trying to catch a squirrel and he felt this like sharp pain on his arm. He's like, ouch, what the fuck? He turns and there's a squirrel biting him like super hard. Good. So Peter starts like flinging his arms around. Get off of me. Get off of me. But the squirrel refused and is like hanging on for dear life. Peter was like, oh, all right, you little shit. Take this. And he started to squeeze the squirrel's neck harder and harder till he had killed it. And he said afterwards that this was the best moment in the world for him to watch the squirrel suffer and die. This moment was so amazing to Peter that when the squirrel took its last breath, he ejaculated. Okay. And I'm going to be using that word a lot, so get ready. I don't ever want to say come. <laughs> so <laughs> He cummed. He cummed. From that moment on, Peter knew what he liked. He knew what turned him on, and he knew what he wanted to continue to see. He wanted to see animals get beheaded. He wanted to see them bleed out. He wanted to see them suffer. He said the sight of blood rushing out of their body was the best feeling in the world. It rushed into his... Peter would go to slaughterhouses and listen to the cries and screams of the animals getting slaughtered. And he said this was his favorite pastime. Okay, could you have not given like a warning at the beginning of this episode? No. Because I've heard of this guy and I didn't know that it was so heavily like animal focused. So there was another time when Peter went to an orphanage in Dusseldorf and he tried to set it on fire. But luckily it was put out before any damage. When he asked about this, he said, quote, I probably should not have done that. Well, because of the orphans. He eventually ditched trying to set things on fire because it was like not satisfying enough. So uh, it took way too much time and effort. Um, Peter was like, screw it. What else should I do? Hmm. I want to start having sex. So, like... Wasn't he already with a sex worker? I don't know if they had sex, so That wasn't in the book. <laughs> I'm assuming they probably did. So, at age 13, Peter cozies up with a girl his age. And she admitted that um, she did let him fondle and undress her. Oh. But she claims the two never had sex. So, Peter takes his sexual frustration and need for control and starts to rape sheep, pigs, and goats. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So the girl would not have sex with him. So then he started to have sex with sheep, pigs, and goats. Um, And he said that the best feeling for him was to stab the sheep repeatedly while he was inside of him. Um, And once the um, stabbings went through is when Peter would ejaculate. Pigs have very short legs. Yep. so so he got on his knees. So, abuse to the animals continued. One day, Peter was walking um, in a park, and he had lured this beautiful swan in to, like, because he was offering... To rape it? No. He was going to offer it some food. So, right when the swan began to get close and close, Peter grabbed it by its neck and slit its throat. As Peter watched the swan struggle and, like, the blood pour out, Peter started to drink the blood from the swan's neck. (sighs) And as he was doing this, he ejaculated, he said. So at this point, Peter's connecting cruelty, death, blood, and sex all together. In his mind, you cannot have one without the other. He did try to have sex with uh, women every now and then, but to him, it was never enough, never satisfying, and he had a hard time finishing. So one day, he made up his mind that he was going to try to strangle a girl. He was used to strangling animals, and he thought a girl cannot be that much harder. So he meets this girl, they chit-chat, they get coffee, they go on a walk, and as they're walking by the woods, he strangles her and leaves her body in the woods. Thankfully, this 18-year-old girl pretended to be dead, and when he left, 
uh, she was unsure that Peter was gone, she ran straight to the police to report this incident, but he was never caught. They probably didn't even believe her. No. A short while after, Peter started dating this older woman who had a 16-year-old daughter. He is super abusive to his girlfriend, the mother. He would yell at her, fight her, abuse her, threaten to kill her. His girlfriend was like, oh, hell no. So she reported Peter and he went off to jail. Peter would end up spending 18 months in prison. Oh my God, like his dad. Matching. However, Peter's not a changed man when he comes out. When Peter gets out of prison, he runs back to his girlfriend. He's like, I'm out, baby. I'm a changed man. Please take me back. I can do better. I can be better. Come on, baby. Let me prove it to you. And she takes him back. However, if you thought Peter was a changed man, you were sadly mistaken. In fact, he starts sleeping with the daughter at this point. Sleeping with? with? Like having sex with the daughter. Raping? No, because a 17-year-old daughter wanted to. She's 17, though. That's yeah. a minor. Well, it was consensual. It was still rape. He would not keep his hidden... Wait, so he would not keep it hidden to hidden from each other, and it was well known that he was sleeping with both. But anytime they tried to fight back or argue, he would threaten with a gun. He would say, you're not going to do a goddamn thing while waving his gun at them. So they're scared. Oh, so it's just as easy to get a gun back then as it is now. So they're scared shitless. So the mother and the daughter would be so scared that they would run out of the house, all while Peter is shooting in their direction and masturbating. He Wait, got at the same time? Yeah, he has two hands. He got off on the fact that they were scared of him and they were screaming so intensely. So Peter is finally caught and charged after the mother-daughter duo ran to the police mm-hmm. and they sentenced uh, Peter to prison for assault and he gets five years in prison. When Peter first got into the prison, he was not kept in solitary confinement. In fact, he tried to be buddy buddies with the other inmates. He would be like, oh, what are you in here for? Oh, that's cool. Well, I have a question for you. Have you ever bit a woman's genitals till they bled? Oh my gosh, you will never feel such excitement from this. You've got to try it. And he said that he would ask the uh, other prisoners that. It was his favorite thing. Ow! So so they were like, what the fuck? So obviously while Peter's in prison, he's not going to have access to women or animals. Genitals. Women genitals. Well, to women or animals in general. So that he could do these cruel and unusual things too. So he started to have to imagine these scenarios in his head. Peter would start to imagine the most beautiful girl in the world, and he would have thoughts of slitting open her stomach, pulling out her intestines, and seeing her blood all over the ground and all over the, like his body. Sure enough, Peter was able to ejaculate from those thoughts, and it would be the only thing that he said would get him through prison. So Peter was treated horribly in prison. He was targeted by the guards. He was targeted by the other inmates. He was chained up. He was starved. He was thirsty. He even said that he was scarred um, from a priest coming into the prison and aggressively praying over him. And then he would, (laughs) the priest would kiss the chains (laughs) that he was tied up to. So Peter uh, mentioned he felt like in his five-year sentence that he was like in a psychosis. Like he wasn't really there. Okay, Peter. When, P- when Peter, okay, so in the summer of 1904, Peter was, dr- so after he gets out, he was drafted into the Imperial German Army. He was deployed to the city of Metz in Lorraine to serve in the 98th Infantry Regiment? Regiment? Regime. Regime. <laughs> Although he soon uh, left. That autumn, Peter began committing acts of arson again, which he would discreetly watch from a distance as emerging services attempted to extinguish the fires. So he would like catch things on fire run and watch it and he could get off yeah like a typical arsonist right so the majority of these fires were in barns and haylofts and (laughs) they're gonna say barns and noble (laughs) and 
Peter would admit to the police that he had committed around 24 acts of arson. He also freely admitted that these fires had been committed both for his sexual excitement and in the hope of burning, sleeping, and he said tramps alive. So a lot of people in this town were poor and they would go into here to sleep and he would set them on fire so that hopefully they would die. Peter said, quote, During the fire itself, the thought that human beings might be burnt only added to the sensation that I experienced. So he was caught and sentenced again to prison. That's odd because there's no, like, blood, really? No, but he likes the pain, like, knowing that someone burned alive. Like, the thought, yeah. Okay. So while he was in prison, he tried to commit suicide, but a lot of people speculate that he was doing it for his own thrill. When they caught him in prison trying to kill himself, they rushed him to the hospital, and the whole time he was not worried or panicked in the least bit. In fact, the nurses said, he said, how much blood did I lose? What did the scene look like? Was there blood everywhere? Please tell me what it looked like. Like, he was fascinated by his own blood. When Peter was released after serving 10 years in prison, and this is when things really started to go crazy, okay? But he's still young. Yeah, he's He's still young. So he's like in his late 20s, early 30s. So again, he wants to feel that excitement that he had dreamed of all day and night, viciously murdering women till he, women till he climaxed. Mm-hmm. Um. So he meets up with this woman named Margaret. She said that Peter took her into the woods and would not let her go home. He grabbed her purse and her keys and he would not let her have it. He they said, had keys back then? Like house keys? Oh. Um, not driving. A lot of these people are like walking. Oh, yeah. You'll see later. So he said... I will give you these back if you give me a kiss. That's all I want. And Margaret rejected him saying, no, 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 no. I can't do that. Please, please stop. Let me leave. So he knocked her out with one single punch to the face. So she wakes up moments later and Peter act as if nothing's wrong. Hey, come on. You want to go for a walk? Margaret thought, okay, if I just act like nothing's wrong, he'll let me go. Because this guy's seriously on this rocker. So she did just that. She, like, grabbed his hand and everything. They are walking through the wooded park together. And as soon as they passed a park bench, he grabbed Margaret and tried to rape her on the bench. He throws her on the bench, starts taking her clothes off. Like, um, in public? In public. So, and he got off on the fact that people could be seeing this. So So she struggled. She fights. He rips her dress off. Um, she drops some of her belongings. She had, um, like, cuts and scrapes all over her. But then trans, uh, Peter transformed again, and he was nice. He was like, here, take my jacket. Cover up. Let's get comfortable. Let's take a little nap. So terrified. Like, she was so scared to, like, retaliate. Margaret just closed her eyes on the bench, take a nap. She was exhausted from f- fighting with Peter. So when the two woke up from the nap, Peter turned again. He ripped her earrings out <gasps> of their holes and started to bite her all over. She said, like a, like a rabid dog, he said. He, he was pulling out chunks of her hair while getting on top of her and trying to strangle her. Margaret is screaming. She's fighting. She's yelling, help, help. What are you doing? Please stop. Peter eventually did stop like a night switch. He turned again and looked at her and said, are you going to tell anybody about this? She said, no, I promise. You just really, really frightened me. Please don't do that again. He said, ah, oh, good. Okay. Do you want to go get some breakfast? And that would be her saving grace. So they went to the diner. She was shooken up. The waitress staff was like, okay, something's wrong with this lady. And she signaled to them that, they, that she needed help. And they snuck her out back and got her the help that she needed. And like when he realized she wasn't coming back, he was starting to catch on to things and he ran out. Um, so Peter goes on to commit his first, the book says real murder. So excluding the murder of the two boys. Um, yeah. 
So her name was Christine. He meets Christine when he robbed her house. Peter did not have a steady job, and he said that he would rather get money by just robbing people. I mean, he broke into this right. He broke into this business establishment. So most of the businesses at the time were privately owned. They had a loft on top of the building. Um, So that's where the family would sleep and live, and then their business would be at the bottom. So he said he could break into the house, steal their money at the bottom floor without waking up the family. Simple as that. So he broke into Christine's house, but he was very annoyed because he said that the family did not have a lot of money and they didn't have anything valuable for him. So he was pissed. So he was like, you know what, I'm just going to go, you know, and uh, cause some distress with this family. So he went upstairs and that's when he found 10 year old Christine sleeping on her bed. 10? 10. He walked over, grabbed her little neck and just started choking her. So little 10 year old Christine wakes up from a home intruder choking her in the dead of the night. She started screaming, he said, fighting back. She said, he said she was saying, stop, stop, mom, 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 please help. She was screaming for her mom, but Peter tightened his grip. She lost consciousness quickly. So once he was certain that she was unconscious, Peter began to assault her. Um, regarding this case, he said, quote, I originally wanted to tear open the child's genitals, but that was not enough for my lust at the time. Tear, tear open. Oh. So like, I don't know. I don't know Can what that means. Can we please stop using our hands? So instead, he just slit her throat. He said that when he slit the child's throat, he could hear the blood gurgling out and dripping onto the floor. Some of the blood had even gotten onto his hands. He said he ejaculated from the sound of blood gurgling from her throat. So Peter then leaves the scene and makes his way home to some of the nearby bars. However, he was not going there to relax. He was not going there to get a drink. He wanted to be awake so that when the sun came out, he could hear the talks through town circulating what had just happened to 10-year-old Christine. He would ejaculate to the sounds and sights of people sad and distressed from what had happened to this innocent girl. He even went on later to say that he would visit the gravesite of Christine that she was buried in, and just by his simple touch of the soil that Christine's body lay under, he could ejaculate too. Oh my god. So two months later, Peter needed this exact feeling again. So he went out on the prowl uh, to break into another house. This is when he found 17-year-old Gertrude asleep in her bed. He walked over, started choking her. He had such a tight grip on her throat that she started choking up blood, and when he, when she did, he ejaculated at the sight and the sounds of this as well. Once he finished, he took his hand off of her and left. Gertrude was lucky enough to survive this attack, um, but Peter was not caught after this one. I love that name. So he goes on to meet a woman named August and, when, um, and went on to be boyfriend and girlfriend. At first, Peter was not interested in her. In fact, he would cheat on her and treat her like pure shit on the regular. Eventually, August was fed up being treated like shit. And he was like, she was like, Peter, I'm done. I can't live like this. You do not respect me. I'm done. And Peter was like, no, 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 no. We have to be together. And she, and he gets up and screams at her. If you do not stay with me and have sex with me, I will fucking kill you. And just like that, she, she stayed with him. August knew of all Peter's horrible behavior, though. She knew that Peter was cheating on her. Sometimes she would even catch the woman in the house when she came home. Um, she would scream at the woman. She even knew about Peter's rapes and even begged one of the rape victims not to go to the police. She claimed that Peter always threatened to kill himself if he was caught, and she did not want that to happen. He told her, August, these are the only simple pleasures that I have left. Right. Okay. Get a hobby, baby. 
She said, um, if you do not fight with me, if you do not go against me, if you do not tell him what he can or cannot do, he was otherwise good. So basically she's saying, just go along with it and he's good. So why did she stay in this marriage? She thought it was punishment for the life. She said she thought it was punishment for the life she led prior to meeting Peter. You see, August is not some goody tissues either. She was a sex worker back in the day, and she was committed of murder for shooting her fiancé to death. Oh. So this is like a recipe for a fucking disaster. Don't tell me they have a kid. So, no. There was no real love in their marriage. They did not care or support one another. Anytime the couple would go to have sex, the only way Peter could get off um, is if he spoke out loud of his violent fantasies of killing women and seeing blood. That was the only thing that would get him off. So he would often say, can you play dead while they were having sex? And he would say out loud, all right, I'm stabbing you. And like, he would, that's the only way that he could get off. Well, I thought he'd have to see blood. So see blood, feel blood, any of these imaginations he could get off. Yeah. So he said that the love he had for August was not sensual love, but admiration for her character. Peter did briefly stop committing his crimes, but not for his wife, because a metal object had fell on his head while he was on a walk and he had a major head injury, but that was short-lived, and after he recovered, it was back to his old ways. Okay. So he meets a housekeeper by the name of T.D. <gasps> Titty? Like, no, T.D. Like, show me your T.D.s. <laughs> no. So she lived with her employers. Like I said, she was a housekeeper. He was very nice to her, um, and he was playing, like, a big game to her. She did not see anything wrong or eerie about Peter. He would come over to her house. They would have consensual sex until eventually Peter began to get bored and was tired of being Mr. Nice Guy. One night when they were having sex, he starts to strangle her. T.D. says, what are you doing? You're hurting me. Can you please not do that? And Peter says, T.D., quiet down. This is what it means to be in love. Do you know what real love is? She would reply, oh, okay, well, maybe not so violent, though. So Peter... In Peter fashion, that was never going to be the case. He increasingly became more and more violent with T.D. He would slap, punch, and choke her just for talking too much or disagreeing with something that Peter said. I hate that so much. But this is not the only woman that Peter's talking to. He was seeing another housekeeper by the name of M. He was telling her the same lines that he was telling T.D. And eventually she found out that he was married and she was livid. So she gets rid of Peter, shuts him out of her life, and goes to the police to report abuse, threats and insulting behavior the evidence was clear and peter does not have the best track record so he's arrested and sentenced to eight more months in prison td gets words of all this and so she reports him too for quote attempted seduction which was a thing back then (laughs) which tacked on another two months of his sentence so resulting he had to go to prison for 10 more months peter gets out and he meets another woman by the name of maria Peter had given a fake name to her, so they had gone on a few dates. She thought he was very charming. On the last date, they are taking a walk in the park, and Peter grabs her out of nowhere, throws her on that damn park bench again. He starts choking her with one hand, groping her from underneath her skirt with his other hand. She's like, what are you doing? Stop. You're hurting me. Get off of me, Peter. Again, it was like a light switch. They had amazing dates. And then all of a sudden, he attacked her on the fucking bench. Peter was fearful that uh, people would begin to hear Maria scream, so he stopped and just left. So there's also another instance where Peter met a lady by the name of Anna. They went on a few dates, they had sex, and then out of nowhere again, Peter started choking the life right out of her. She manages to get away, and he's like, sorry about that. I don't know what got over me. Let me, let me just walk you home. They even went 
on more dates after this. So they continue to go on dates and see each other. From this point, he never choked her again or even attempted to have sex with her because Peter claimed that he was getting off on the mental and emotional abuse that he was giving Anna. He said, quote, I treated her so badly that she was black and blue. Yet, even after all of that, she went out with me again. Some women are funny, I'll tell you. Okay. He eventually sees an elderly woman walking down the street named Mrs. K. So trying to be a gentleman, he tipped his hat at her, gave her a smile, and said, Good evening, how are you doing today? Before she could reply, he grabs her by her coat, pulls her in closely, and whispers, Don't struggle and don't scream. Oh no. Peter pulls her off into a secluded area, pulls scissors out of his <gasps> pockets, and begin to stab her all over again 14 times. He stabbed her in the stomach, the back, the neck, the arms, all over, and she collapsed in the middle of the road. She starts screaming bloody murder. Help me, help me, please, I've been attacked. Help me, anybody. And Peter just leaves her there and walks away. Miss Kate ended up surviving this attack, though, and she was saved by witnesses on the street. Oh, my God, in the 1900s? Mm-hmm. On another beautiful Sunday, Peter was taking a stroll, and he passed St. Vincent's Church of Dusseldorf. Mm. He came across an eight-year-old child named Rosa. He went up to her. Hey, little one, where are you headed? Home. A youngster like you should not be out all alone. Let me walk you home. So as he begins to walk her home, they pass a wooded area. He grabs her little throat and begins to strangle her until she passed out and proceeds to stab her with the same pair of scissors. Can you stop saying little throat? I'm just trying to give emphasis. Now Rosa had this gaping hole from the scissors in the side of her head that is bleeding out. Oh, so he stabbed her in the left temple. And Peter does something that he has not done before. He oh bends God. down and starts drinking the blood from her temple. As if drinking the blood, Peter said he ejaculated all over the place and dragged her body behind the bush. So she died. She died. Peter went home, cleaned himself off, but he had an idea come up in his mind. He wanted to go back to Rosa's body so that he could set her on fire. He said the thought of it turned him on. He thought if he could just watch that little body burn, he could climax again. So he gathered everything he needed, but when he got closer to the scene, he could see that there was already police on site. Can he not just jack off like a normal person? Like it doesn't work? No, he needs blood. Well, I mean... Um... Peter said that he admitted, though, he did not have intercourse with Rosa. He said, I only assaulted her with my fingers. Uh, he said that um, he never really raped to climax. Only killing or torture would do it for him. It was always the stabbing or slicing of the throat that really did it for him. He said this about Rosa's murder. The ejaculation was nice. It gave me a shudder down my entire spine. It was amazing. Oh, my God. So Peter's wife would be at work from around 8 p.m. to 1. So now Peter's starting to take that time to hunt his his victims. So when his wife left, Peter would walk out through the streets of Dusseldorf. And this is when he found its next victim, Rudolph Shear, who's the a man. House? It's a man. Uh. So, in, yep, this is a man. So it's different from all of his other kills. He finds Rudolph, and Peter was upset because he, had, he hasn't had found anybody house. else. No, he was upset because he hadn't found anybody else that night. So he's like, uh, you'll do. Bitch, did you just say Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? <laughs> I was like, what is she saying? Rudolph. No. Poor thing. So he sees Rudolph and calls him out for being loud, annoying, noisy, and drunk. Hey, would you shut the hell up already? And Rudolph is like, dude, what the hell? What's your problem? And by this point, Peter's like in his face. 
Ew. So I bet Rudolph, his breath smelled terrible. So Rudolph shoves Peter away and like sizes him up, but Peter lunges at him, punches Rudolph right in the face, and he falls to the ground. Peter immediately takes out his scissors and starts stabbing him all over, over and over and over again. Rudolph is trying to fight back, but it's not enough to overpower the stabs and strength of Peter. Peter said on the last stab that he put in Rudolph, he ejaculated. I just like are his scissors in like a sheath. It's like a sh- like a sheer scissors, not like a little, you know, like um, like oh. yeah. But he's referring to them as scissors. I wonder how he's the those uh, can be kind of big. A coat. He has like a coat because oh. it's cold around this time. So as he looked, oh, so again, this is not about gender. He said it was about, and it's not sex related at all. Peter said he could get off the pain and agony he caused anybody. So as he looked over Rudolph's body, bleeding out, Peter was not done yet. He bent down and started drinking the blood from uh, Rudolph's neck. Once he was satisfied with his thirst, he wiped his mouth and dragged Rudolph's body into a nearby ditch and just left him there. And Peter went home satisfied with what he had just done. Does he ever explain why he likes to drink the blood? No. Something about it like being innocent. Like, I took your life and now I'm taking some of that and putting it in me. But like I own you that guy didn't. I mean, some of the people he's didn't like that guy. I, think he, I don't know if there's really an explanation for it because there is a lot of shit in here that I need an explanation for, but there's just not. <sighs> so the next morning, Peter wakes up and wanted to go look at the body of Rudolph, perhaps to like light it on fire. But when he gets there, police are already at the scene. Note: this was not a busy part of town at all; like it was secluded by itself. Okay. Anyways, when he shows up to the area, the police were like, hey, man, you can't be here. We're investigating a murder. We're going to need you to leave. And he said, yeah, I heard about this um, through the telephone. And the police accepted the answer. And Peter was like, oh, shit, I probably shouldn't have said that. Because the police were like, this wasn't in the media yet. Nobody has known about this. But they didn't do anything about it. That would have been a red flag right there. Um, through how the did he telephone. Know? Or, yeah, well, he said through telephone. They had telephones back then. Yeah, I know. But like, I'm maybe like, somebody called him and told him about it. Yeah. But they're like, nobody has known about this. So eventually, later that day, it would reach the news and media outlets, and masses of people swarmed the area. The news stated that a man had been beaten and stabbed to death, and the community was in shock. Peter said as he sat back and looked at the faces and strangers that were scared, sad, worried, and frightened, it made him ejaculate again. Oh, my God. So around six weeks later, two more women became victims. I mean, why didn't he just work at a damn funeral home? 16-year-old Erna Penning was walking home and she heard footsteps walking behind her and they were steadily getting closer and closer. She thought it was one of her friends because they were all just walking home because they had just left a popular hangout spot. So she thought maybe it was one of them like trying to play a prank on her. Irma was like, joke's on her. I'm going to scare her. I'm going to hide my face behind my coat collar. And when she comes by, I'm going to pop out and be like, boo! So at that very moment, someone threw a rope over her neck to try to strangle her. But it didn't go around her because she had ducked her head at the perfect time. Mm. So it kind of like slid over the top of her head. So this man tries to physically put um, it around her neck. And she's screaming. She's crying. She's fighting. And they fall into the ground. The man is trying to strangle her himself. But Irma's putting up this incredible fight. She's like, get away from me. Help me. Get off of me. She's screaming very loud. Um, And sure enough, he gets off of her and just walks away. 24 hours later, Mrs. Flake was walking home from work and she heard heavy footsteps coming up from behind her. She thought, okay, let me slow down. Let me let this person pass and then I'll presume my walk behind. So Miss Flake slows down. The footsteps gets louder and closer. And right as he's about to pass, the rope is thrown around her neck as well. 
shortly after a gag is trying to be forced into her mouth and she's like clenching her mouth and her teeth as tight as she can and he's like open your mouth open your mouth but miss flake does not listen and she continues to fight back um, he puts his hands over her mouth and nose and begins to drag her off the sidewalk into the woods. However, she's still kicking. She's screaming to the best of her abil ability. And luckily, there is a witness that sees all of this go down and they start running towards her. So the oh witness God. runs over to help. The man gets scared and runs away, dropping Miss Flake. So she survives. Her throat was swollen. She had cuts and scrapes all over her. She had trouble eating for quite some time after, too, because there was just so much damage. Um, but because these were both public assaults, the man was quickly identified due to the witness, um, the witnesses that were there. That's going to be my next question. I'm like, all these bodies. No yeah. One's... So they locate the man, um, brought him in for questioning. Who are you? I'm exactly who you are looking for. Oh, is that so? Tell me about your crimes. This man started listing off all the horrible things he had done to the women, to the animals, how he had gotten off on drinking blood, stabbing the Children? victims. Children? Mm -hmm. Oh, he talked about the children, too? Yeah, all okay. of it. So the police arrested him immediately. He matched exactly who they were looking for. They ship him off to an insane asylum immediately. But the only problem is the person that attacked Miss Irma or Irma and Mrs. Flake was not Peter Curtin. This was a copycat. This was a guy who had heard about the, quote, vampire of Dusseldorf and wanted to take the notoriety. So he had heard about all the cases that happened, these animals ending up So it stabbed. was in the media. It was in the media. Um, and it was labeled the Vampire Dusseldorf. But so he, he was using a rope. He was using a rope, but he had heard, like, he drags the victims off to the woods. So he was trying to do exactly what he thought was happening. But they were like, nope, this, nope, you are an imposter. So they arrested <laughs> the guy by the name of Stasberg. He wanted to take credit for all of these attacks um, that Peter had committed. He said he was so intrigued by the acts of violence and he wanted the public to think that it was him. But it wasn't. That's so crazy. You kind of had to go off a gut back then yeah well i mean he served prison for attacking those two ladies i know but like the investigators oh, had to be like because there's no. no dna you just yeah. have to go off your judge best judgment i mean but i guess too maybe they didn't find scissors around yeah. him but I mm -hmm. mean... so he stays in prison for the attacks but peter's still out there and he sees this on the news he sees that a man's getting arrested for this he hears it or reads it from the newspaper oh. um and he's like, hell yeah, I'm unstoppable. So Peter makes this, e like, has this huge ego now, like, yeah. bigger than what it already was. So Peter starts dating another woman by the name of Maria. There's two Marias in here. Mm -hmm. Who's another housekeeper. He loves the housekeepers. They keep it casual. They go on a few dates here and there. And after one of the dates, they decided to take a little stroll in the park. Talk about life. Talk about how great the date was. Whatever it may be. I wasn't there. However, <laughs> as they're taking the stroll, Peter's wife comes up behind them. August? Because remember, he's still married. And um, his wife, August, comes up and says, Oh, what do we have here? You think you can play me? Think again. Obviously, she didn't really say that, but that's what I think she said. And she slaps Maria across the face. Oh. And Peter grabs the roses that he had just gifted Maria and slaps August across the face with the roses. It's not Maria's fault. So, I know. So he's fuming and he just walks away from the situation, leaving both ladies in the street as if it's their fault. Peter ends up meeting another lady also named Maria. He walks up and introduces himself. He says, care to join, uh, join me for a walk, beautiful? Did you say a third Maria? Maria? Yeah. Okay. Now, okay, I will say this about the Marias. I don't know if they, so the book, The Sadist, has all lists of all these women um, and they're, they're different, but part of me thinks that they're just throwing names. I don't think these are their real names. These aren't. German names, you know? 
but mm-hmm. this is another Maria. So there's like a lot of Zabinas. Right. I'm like, why didn't you put that's like a common name, I think, in German. Right. So he goes up to her. He says, you know, care to uh, join me for a walk, beautiful. So she says yes. And she takes a walk with Peter. They're chatting, getting to know each other and ended up ha- attending like a little festival together. Um, once the date was over, Peter leaned in to give her a kiss. But Maria declined. She was <laughs> she like kind of turned her head. She said, oh, Peter, I had such a wonderful time with you today, but I'm afraid it's too soon for a kiss. I would like to see you, though, again. And Peter said, you are going to kiss me. <gasps> Maria looks at him. And she says, I got to go. And she turns to walk away. He grabbed her by the neck and started to choke her. She manages to fight back, pushes him off and flees, but she never called the police. She didn't think they were going to believe her. So he's livid. So on the exact same day, in a time frame of only one hour, he goes on to attack three more people within an hour. So Mrs. Montel was walking uh, by herself in a very safe area and she heard footsteps getting louder and louder behind her. She's not alarmed, but she hears, ma'am, footsteps get louder. Ma'am, may I com- may I accompany on your lovely walk? Ew, no. So she ignored him and kept walking faster and faster, but Peter caught up to her and wasted no time with this one. He was mad that she had ignored him, so he stabbed her immediately when he caught up to her and left her for dead in the ground and kept moving. He definitely would have killed me. And he killed her. So that one step killed her. Went did straight he... through her heart. No, he left her there. In no, the but did he... Ejaculate? I'm sure he did. That was <laughs> not in the book at this one, but I'm sure he did. So there's another girl that was casually walking um, home by the name of Anna. She's minding her own damn business when a man just comes up to her without warning and stabs her. The stab penetrated her ribs, so went through her ribs, her liver, her stomach, and it made her extremely sick, but she did survive. Just one stab hit all of that? Um, well, it stabbed her. He stabbed her over and over again. But oh. uh, it went through her ribs, her liver, her stomach. Um, so she was very, she was bleeding out in the streets. They took her to the hospital, oh. but she did survive. So then Peter comes across a drunk man who had taken a tumble into a ditch and was, like, trying to crawl oh, out. So Peter walks up to him. Hey, man, let me give you a hand. And right when he went to go give him a hand, he just stabbed him in the back several times and killed him oh. and killed him immediately. So Peter scurries off into the bushes because he wanted to watch the public stumble across these bodies. Um, Because, again, he said he got off on the side of people um, in pain and fear and sadness. So um, So all these three people, sorry, I keep interrupting. They're They're all within walking distance. They're all within like this little like um, little town square. Remember when we went to Old Town Spring and how it's like it's kind of like that, like little nooks and crannies, which is based off of like German. It's like very German. Yeah, exactly. So kind of think about that style. So, um, I to take your pictures next to those bushes. Yeah. Oh, not the bushes. So (laughs) Peter strikes again at a little nearby festival and and it was near a bean patch. So a ton of people were gathered around and he spots his next two victims. Um, and they were two sisters, five-year-old Gertrude and a 14-year-old Louisa. So we have another Gertrude. I love that name. So he goes, Hey girls, are you enjoying the festival? Why don't you follow me? I have an awesome surprise over here and I want to show you both. The girls are like, Okay. He doesn't have blood on him? No. I mean, these are all separate days. I'm just telling uh, you in chronological order. Oh, okay, happen. okay, okay. Sorry, sorry. So Peter says, Louisa, before we, before I bring you over there, can you do me a huge favor? If I give you some money, can you get me a snack over there? Um, and I'm going to give you some extra cash for you and your sister, too. You Can, can you do that for me? Y'all can get whatever you want. Um, there's a lot of people here, so I'm just going to watch your sister Gertrude over here and just meet me over there by that bean patch when you get the snacks. And she says, okay. I'll be right back. Gertrude, stay with him. So he picks up little Gertrude and heads over to the bean patch. In an interview, Peter said that he did not want to kill Gertrude, 
but that all changed when Gertrude wrapped her arms around his neck to hold on to him for safety and this set him off. It triggered something. So change of plans for poor Gertrude. He takes her into the uh, bean patch, strangles her, and then slices her neck open and then drinks her blood. She's a five-year-old. So like he picks her up and she wrapped her arm around his neck yeah. to like hold on and he, he pissed him off. Like it had a, it triggered something. So shortly oh after, Louisa comes back with the snacks and she had cigarettes for him. She's like, where's my sister? And Peter lunged at her because at this time he has blood on her. He grabs her by the throat and carries her into the bean patch to kill her. Witnesses heard the screams and they said that her last words were, Mama, Mama, Mama. So she was stabbed in the back four times and her throat was slit open. The saddest part about all of this is she was left for dead, but she did not die immediately. She managed to get up, run for help, scream for help, but she collapsed and died in the middle of the road due to her injuries. So, satisfied with his attacks that day, he made his way home. The next day, Peter wakes up and decides to venture off into town um, to hear the whispers of the concerned people. Did you hear? Two more bodies were found yesterday. The police found two sisters dead near the bean patch. I can't believe it. They were so young. And he said hearing the gossip through town would get him off. Um, as he was walking around a nearby town, he stopped and because he said he saw this gorgeous girl that caught his eye. She was 26 years old and her name was Guy. Like the butter alternative? I don't know. He comes up to her, spits his game, and she decides to walk around town with him. He says, you know, that is really scary and crazy to hear about all these murders taking place. He brought it up? Yeah. And Guy kind of nodded her head, but Peter had told her that he was this wealthy businessman, so it didn't even cross her mind that it could be him. So the two continued their walk, and they come to the Rhine River and decided to take a break and sit down on a bench. Not the fucking bench again. Oh right God. when the two sit down, Peter turns to her, rips off her clothing, and she's like, get off of me. What are you doing? Are you serious right now? So she's like kicking. She's screaming. She's fighting. This infuriates Peter. So he pulls out a knife, shows her. So now she shuts up in fear. He walks up to her and starts stabbing her all over her body. He did this with such force that the blade of the knife actually broke off inside of her. Oh, that always, like... So once he was satisfied with the stabbings, he grabbed her head, like, by her throat and said, Now I will leave you here to die. So she had been stabbed over 20 times. She had slashes all over her throat, her legs, her stomach, and had a huge gash in, his, in her head. The blade of the knife was found in her lower vertebrae, and her left leg was completely paralyzed. When they found her body, she was alive. So she survived. He went on to attack another woman, but she... Would you she, have wanted to? I think so. So I could write a book. <laughs> oh my gosh. She went, so he went on to attack another woman, but she was ready. So she had an umbrella with her, and as soon as Peter attacked her, she started beating him with the umbrella. What are you doing? Get off of me, pig! It was like beating him upside the head with it. But Peter said that he did not try to kill her because her beating him made him ejaculate. Jesus Christ. He's got some crusty underwear is all I have to say. I know. He said the thought, like the pain that she was inflicting on him was new and it made him excited. So he, he, huh. Ew! <laughs> so another time he was in a coffee shop and he sat down next to a woman who was minding her own damn business. She was reading a book and sipping her coffee. Peter sat next down to her and started touching her leg from underneath the table. Oh, fuck me. The woman said, excuse me? 
and punched Peter right in the face. Well, Peter, being Peter, punched the woman back <laughs> and grabbed her. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to laugh, but I'm like thinking Starbucks and these. I know. <laughs> so the woman, he punches, so he punches her and she starts bleeding and he grabs her and starts sucking the blood from her lip. Uh. But since this was like a very public setting and like onlookers were horrified, he fled the scene. Oh my god. So Peter would go around town just harassing and attacking women at this point. So he would just jump out from behind the bushes and just hit them over so upside the head with something. And he said that he would try to remove their fingernails, oh. try to break their skull, mangle their nose. Like he was just like being fucking like so they to would get wake, them to scream. Or? So they would just wake up horrified at what just happened. He said he would hide in bushes and when women would come on, on their bike, he would push them off and run. Like he was just being a fucking shit. Um, but he said the feeling of running from the scene would make him orgasm. Oh my God. He's a cum dumpster. <laughs> so Ida Router is the next victim. Her body was found near a river. When her body was found, her legs were spread and her clothes were scattered all over the river banks. Her body had um, her body had been drugged all over the place because they could see the blood. She died from blunt force trauma, and her skull was severely uh, fractured. The killer had used her panties to wipe the blood from him, and so we later find out that Peter was uh, walking with Ida and just hit her upside the head, and she fell immediately. Peter admitted to taking her underwear off to clean himself up. But did he pose her? Yeah, he posed her body, too. He's going to start posing him, too. So the town was terrified. But it wasn't until... But not too terrified. They're out everywhere drinking coffee and like so the town was terrified but it wasn't until he attacked another five-year-old named gertie oh that's what i love that the town really started to buckle down so gertie was last seen playing outside in her front yard police found her body next to a random person's house and her legs were apart to expose her privates and she had been stabbed 34 times to her chest nine of the 34 stabs had penetrated her heart Gertie was also strangled, sexually assaulted, and sodomized. <gasps> so this is the first one that he sodomized. The injuries were so severe that almost everything inside her was either torn or broken. Medical examinators believed that she was dead. Examiners. Medical examiners believed that she was dead before she was assaulted, which is good. When they asked when asked why he stabbed her so many times, he said he only stopped stabbing once he orgasmed, and it took a little bit much for her. So he meets another lady by the name of Maria Hahn. She was sitting on a park bench. I know there's a lot of Marias. A lot of park benches, a lot of cum, and a lot of Marias. (laughs) Sounds like a porn disaster. She was sitting on a park bench, and he comes over to her, and he's like, Hey, pretty lady, what are you doing today? (laughs) So they started having this light conversation. They decided to go on a date. And later, the two decided to have sex. As they were having sex, Peter said he could not get aroused. So he decided to stop halfway through and stab Maria in the throat. Blood starts gushing out of her wounds. And Peter started drinking the blood that was streaming out of her neck. Drinking this blood made Peter orgasm. Peter drank so much of Maria's blood that shortly after, he bent over and threw up all over the place. I'm surprised he doesn't have, like, some disease yet. So despite what she had just gone through, Maria was alive at this point. She had to lay there and witness a man drinking blood from her neck. Peter looked at her and noticed that she was still alive and her eyes were opening. And she looked at him and said, quote, please, I beg you, please just let me live. I do love my life, Peter. 
And Peter, being Peter, did not listen, so he started stabbing her over and over and over again until he was certain that she was dead. Once she had died, he grabbed her body, threw her in a nearby ditch, and covered her with leaves and branches. Peter went home, covered in blood, and his wife was pissed. And it's not reported whether she was mad that he was cheating on her again or that she was upset that he is hurting people. Because at this point, keep in mind, she doesn't know that he is the vampire of Dusseldorf. She knows that he's, like, raping people, but she doesn't know that he's killing them. Okay. So well. Peter leaves the house and goes back to where um, he covered her body and starts to dig a grave for her. But as he's doing this, he says that he's reminded of how much pleasure he got from raping and killing her. So you know what he decides to do? Necro. He sexually assaults her dead corpse, climaxes, and then buries her in the ground for good. And this is the only body that is reported that he buries. The smell. So when Peter gets home, he writes an anonymous letter about what had happened to the body and where he can find where they can find the body and sends it to the police station. I'm sure he did something during that letter writing, too. Yes, because he did not use tape. He's <laughs> <laughs> When they received the letter, they thought it was a prank. They did not take it seriously at all until one of the police officers got a phone call saying that someone had found a body in the woods. And the body was found at the exact description and had the exact description of what had happened to the body that was written out in the letter. So I want to mention again, at this point, people are looking for Peter because what had this is happening just in the streets of the city, you know? So he is on the run. Can I ask where he, he's, he's working, right? I mean, he no, has he's to not be... working at this point. He's just stealing, robbing, stealing oh. money, but he's making a, so he would like basically take these victims, rob their purses, take what's in their purse and list. But he's like die. living off of his wife anyway. Well, she's not working either. Yes, she is. She, eight, but it, okay. So she is working, but it's not enough. And you're going to see in a second while she freaks out, but it's not enough to support the both of them. So that's why he's well, robbing people. He has somewhere to go home and sleep at night. Right. So, but, okay, I'm glad you brought that up. So, at this point, though, like I said, people are on the lookout for him, and he's, like, trying to hide. So, he rents a hideaway apartment that he would sneak up to to hide from the public. So, in, like, all the newspapers, it was written, like, beware, the vampire Dusseldorf is on the loose. And they had, like, descriptions of him. People knew to look out for him. Um, so, he told his wife, look, babe, I have raped a few men. <laughs> I have raped a few women. If I get caught, I will be sent to prison for many, many, many years. You don't want to be without me, do you? And she was like, no, no. So she told him to go to the apartment, his hideaway apartment, whenever he needed. So police actually raided the couple's home, but Peter was nowhere to be found. So his wife calls him, honey, they're after you. They came into the home. They were searching all over for you. And I told them I just have not seen you in quite some time. Not the pet names. You know they're not calling each other honey and babe. So finally, ew. Peter finally admits to his wife that he is the vampire of Dusseldorf, and she's devastated. Uh, but Peter, being the sweet husband, he is not, obviously. So she's mad. Obviously, she cannot believe he's killing people, but she's also like, how am I going to live? Because he's supplying her lifestyle. Like, she works 8, what did I say, 8, 8 p.m. to 1. But he's also bringing in a lot of income from robbing these people. So she's freaked the fuck out. You know what he says? Relax. I have an idea. You should call the police and turn me in. There is a huge reward out on me. You could be set for life with the amount. Do it, and I'm okay with it. So August wasted no time. She pranced her little ass right up in there, and she turned her <laughs> husband in. She was arrested. He was arrested in a local church in broad daylight to the public for the public to witness. 
Why they, was he in church? I don't know. I think he was trying to repent, honey. But <laughs> Jesus said, hail to the no ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> so when they arrested him, he was cool, calm, and collected. He went to tell the police and confess all of the crimes that he had committed and had no issues giving him the dirty details. So a lot of the, the um, stories that I'm telling you, he confessed to this doctor. Oh, what's his name? Um, I'll tell you at the very end. I have it written at the very end. But there's a book called The Sadist. And the doctor that, or the psychologist that um, interviewed him is who wrote this book. And oh, this yeah, is yeah, yeah. all of the stories. So this is how I'm able to get all of these stories. So, but like I said, he had no issues. He was proud to give these details. The police said, sir, why are you perfectly fine telling us all this in great detail? Usually people try to hide it. Don't you have any remorse? And Peter replied, quote, I love to see the disgusted look on the faces of you guys. And they said, what about your conscience? He says, well, I have none. I never felt any misgiving in my soul. Never did I ever think what I did was bad. Even though human society condemns it, I didn't think it was bad. So Peter concluded, quote, can I please have the death sentence? And when I'm executed, can I please be beheaded? Do you think I could hear the uh, gurgling of my own blood? So Peter also said, quote, I have no remorse or pity for my victims. Thinking back to all of the details, it's not at, a, at all unpleasant. I enjoy it. I kind of pity the victims, but just conjuring up all these memories in my imagination, I still succeed in getting sexual satisfaction. Do you think he has a boner when he's in there talking to them? Probably. So later in prison, he admitted that he, if he had the means, he would have killed masses and caused many more catastrophes catastrophes catastrophic catastrophes oh peter said quote sometimes i would orgasm just by choking them but the orgasm would certainly enhance if i was stabbing them when the victim struggled it only stimulated my lust i ejaculated almost every single time i saw blood end quote so the trial lasted 10 days on april 22nd the jury deliberated for under two hours before reaching their verdict Peter was found guilty and sentenced to death on nine counts of murder. He was also found guilty of seven counts of attempted murder. Honestly, there was probably much more they said, but that's the ones that they could connect him to. On the other hand, people said, no, he was so proud to say, you know, all these people. I think he's actually telling the truth about how many people he did, but who knows. So Peter listened to the verdict and displayed no emotion in court at all. As the sentence was passed, although in his final address to the court, he stated that he now saw his crimes as being, quote, so ghastly that he did not want to make any sort of excuse for them, end quote. Peter was sentenced to death on July 2nd, 1931, and he was, in fact, beheaded. Shortly after his head was placed on the guillotine, Peter turned to the psychiatrist and asked the question, quote, tell me. After my head is chopped off, will I still be able to hear, at least for a moment, the sound of my own blood gushing from the stump of my neck? That would be the pleasure to end all pleasures. He already asked that. So, but now he's asking the person that's actually doing it. Yeah. So when asked whether he had any last words, Peter simply smiled and replied, nope. Like he's fucking sick. So following Peter's 1931 execution, his head was bisected which i had a so that just means divided into two and mummified the brain yeah so the brain was removed and subjected to forensic analysis and attempt to explain his personality and his behavior because it was so fucking jarring 
So yeah. the examinations of Peter's brain revealed no abnormalities. The autopsy conducted upon Peter's body revealed that aside from having an enlarged thymus gland, which isn't unheard of, okay. Peter had not been suffering any physical abnorm- abnormalities. Because, you know, in some of the cases that we researched, they've had head trauma to the frontal lobe. His brain was perfectly fine. Shortly after the Second Cold War, this is my final, my final to this. Shortly after the Second Cold War, sorry. Shortly after the Second (laughs) World War, Peter's head was transported to the United States. To this day, it is currently on display at Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum in in Wisconsin. And I have a picture of it. And it's eerie because it's like mummified so you can still see his face and it's like open. (gasps) Uh Uh-uh, his face is still on it? His face is still on it. It's mummified and it's open. He was ugly. And I'm like, oh my God. God. And this is like, this all happened in the early 1900s. Like, I'm always hesitant to do cases like this because it is really hard to find um, information on it, you know? Um, But this book, again, it's called, the book is called The Satis by Carl Berg. And he was a psychiatrist or psychologist that interviewed him that had, that he just sat there and wrote everything that um, Peter confessed to. So, like, I never want to use the word ejaculate ever again, or climax, or anything of that matter. Lord. Well, that concludes the Vampire of Dusseldorf. I hope you, next time you see blood, you get a band-aid. <laughs> <laughs> Good night! I hope you- Rate, review, subscribe, our Patreon, our... Um, our merch store and our email us our Gmail. Wait, hold on. What is on that link tree? Our Patreon, our merch store, and oh, and all the places you can find our episodes are on there. And that is yeah. in our Instagram, which is misery at sign misery manner podcast. DM us, email us, talk to us. Okay, do you need eye drops, Noah? Because you keep pulling in your eye, and what if you got icy hot on it? Well, then I'm going to beat that ass because I had to put it on your crystal shoulders. (laughs) Good night, babes. Good night.